Now, Mohammed, let's start by looking at uh, those Chinese uh, stocks. Now, they slumped by over 7% in two days. What exactly is happening there? I think this is catching a lot of people off guard. I mean, yesterday, uh, it was probably after we had spoken, but I mean, by, by the time we actually had the Chinese market closed, I think it was down uh, over around 80% on that specific day. And I think it's tearing its game this morning a little bit. But what was this, or what it was all related to, I guess, was that we actually saw a number of brokerages preventing a regulatory reform by their regulator. And so, in effect, they tightened their margin requirements. And, and this meant that a lot of people effectively went out there and sold out their holdings, uh, mainly because of more onerous margin requirements. Uh, this, again, I guess, illustrative of the fact that there's a significant amount of leverage within that Chinese sector. Very recently, you know, they've kind of catalyzed this move into the equity market and has really been one of the best-performing equity markets over the last year or so. In fact, they've just put out a report this morning that shows that foreign buyers of Chinese stocks have just surged to an all-time high as well. So, you know, whether this is actually a sustained uh, outflow, whether it's just a pause in a market that has literally gone up in a straight line. If anyone looks at the Chinese market graph, you'll see it's literally gone up in a straight line. If this is just a pause, then I think, you know, things should be well and good. But I just get very worried about the levels of leverage in that Chinese economy. And then more specifically, probably related to another story we can talk about, is that there's also a significantly large shadow banking or informal banking and financing sector in China. And that poses a little bit of a risk within that region, but also in, uh, on, on a broader global sense as well. Mm-hmm. And um, the ECB, uh, they've warned over uh, shadow banking, but uh, that story about Greece, Mohamed Nala, and uh, we've been talking about that, tracking that story and uh, the deadline for their debt repayment. Now it seems the IMF may actually extend the, uh, the terms to the end of June. I think the IMF is trying very hard to look as though they're, they're the generous uh, creditor in this respect. I mean, it's well within the IMF's rules to roll their payments that are due early in June uh, to the end of June. So, so I don't think there's any special concession being made by Christine Lagarde in that respect. Uh, effectively, it means that Greece doesn't have to default by next week, uh, but if they don't come up with the money, they will be defaulting by the end of the month. That, that's pretty cold comfort. So like I said, I think perhaps the IMF trying to look a little bit more magnanimous, but then also Christine Lagarde coming out saying that there's a very high or there is a like that Greece will leave the Eurozone, but that this does not mean the death of the common currency area. Uh, that's what's happening on the Greek front. What the shadow banking thing? I mean, for listeners that don't know what this is, go on to my Twitter feed. It's at Mohammed Nala. A few days ago, I posted a link to a paper that explains shadow banking. It's a little bit lengthy, but not too complex. Uh, it's effectively anything that falls outside of the official financial channels of banking and regulated channels. Uh, and this is a much bigger risk in Europe than in any other region globally. I mean, I touched on it with regards to China, but China is only 4% of global shadow banking. Europe, if memory serves, makes up around 30% of global shadow banking activity. So a bit of a concern there. The fact that it's on their radar, probably a good story, uh, but I just think there are some monumental structural challenges from a regulatory perspective in the Eurozone, and that's likely to cause a little bit more volatility as well. Mm. And um, U.S. jobless claims rise, uh, but eyes now on GDP revision data, and that is due out this afternoon, Mohammed. 
Yeah, so you touched on the UK data that was out yesterday. In the US, I guess this was the other focal point, and I guess the main focal point with regards to the dollar. Uh, we had jobless claims. It's a weekly number. It's quite volatile. It, it picked up a little bit to 282,000 last week, but it does remain below the long-term average that comes through around 300,000 mark. So that's a good thing. Remember, on jobless claims, you want a lower number. It's the number of people filing for unemployment insurance. Uh, that being said, we do expect a US GDP revision number this afternoon. It's still for the first quarter, but a lot of expectation there that it will move from what was very marginally positive. It was 0.2% positive uh, at, at the first advance number. A lot of people expecting that to shift as materially as 0.8% negative. And this because that first quarter was really very dire in the United States. Let's see where it comes out. A point or negative point that is the number that the market's kind of penciled in. And if you see any negative surprises to that, if it's worse than that, that'll push out expectations around the U.S. hike, and we'll probably see the dollar come under pressure. But if it's any better than that, uh, expect the dollar to remain strong and that to continue to impact commodity prices and the rent.